Well, we'd like to welcome you to another edition of Worth Knowing More, the Wholehammer Wealth Management Podcast. We welcome Eric Aguayo here with us today. He's our managing compliance officer here at the firm. Welcome to the program. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about you and how you got here and what you're doing for us. Sure. So, as you mentioned, I'm the compliance manager here at Hoheimer Wealth Management. So, I, I make sure that we're following all the rules and taking care of our clients to the best we can while, while staying, you know, within the realms of the law. So, I've been here for about six months and I uh, have about eight years experience in the industry. And I love the challenges that compliance presents. But I also like working with people, and this is a people business, so I, I understand that we're, we're trying to do the best for our clients, so I try to keep compliance always at the forefront. Nice. And we love having you here as part of the team, so you're doing an excellent job, so thanks. Thank you. So go ahead, lead us off. What do you want to get started with? Steer us in the right direction. Sure. So let's, let's start off with, uh, this podcast is going to be about cybersecurity, so I want to talk about why it's so important. Uh, and I think we'll, we'll start there. So cybersecurity for a lot of us, I think when we hear that word, we kind of get overwhelmed. You know, there's kind of like, oh, you know, that sounds kind of scary in a way. But, you know, I'm here to tell you that cybersecurity doesn't have to be scary. I think you can, we can have so much control over the things that we do online, the types of behavior and the types of information that we share. So I want, I want folks to get out of this that as scary as the news make it seem that there's all these cyber attacks going on, that there's, that there's so many ways that they can get at us. If we do just a handful of things, it can really improve our chances of keeping us safe, keeping our information safe, keeping our family safe and also our personal finances safe. So I, I think it's important for us to recognize that. So why don't you walk us through what are we doing here at Hoheimer Wealth Management to keep us safe? What kind of guards and, and procedures do we have in place here to protect the clients, us individually and the firm? Walk us through some of the stuff that we already got under control here. And mind you, I think I know a little bit about this. We're doing a pretty good job, aren't we, on the cybersecurity side of things, I think. Yes, I think we are. We, uh, we've, we've made a number of enhancements, but I want to start off with, first of all, one of the great things here about uh, Hoheimer Wealth Management is that we recognize that trust is very important. And when clients uh, choose to work with us, they're also entrusting us not only with their finances, but with their information. So I think that's very key. And any, any financial services firm that is not recognizing that, that doesn't recognize that clients are entrusting them with their information, well, frankly, you shouldn't be doing business with them. So we understand that. We acknowledge that as, as part of our fiduciary role, that we, we have to keep your information safe. So one of the things that we've done is we've made it more difficult for anyone to access any of our systems. So we've implemented this solution called two-factor authentication. So let's say we have an employee who has to travel and they have to go to a conference and they have to access their email here at the office. The way we've set it up is that when they log into their email, they are the system recognizes, hey, you're not here physically in the office, so we want to make sure that it's you. So we don't just require a username and password. The employee will actually get a text message to their phone that says, hey, you need to punch this in. So whenever they're out of the office and they're trying to access their email, they have to do that. And email is not the only program that we've done that for. We've done that for a few of the programs that contain a lot of sensitive data that clients want us to protect. 
So I think that's something in the industry that is becoming more common now. Some firms are doing a better job than others, but we've we've definitely embraced that and we've we've made it a regular practice here. Or read a crazy stat on the internet that other firms, when tested, like 15%, only 15% of the other firms out there were the ones that got a passing grade on the cybersecurity issues. That seems scary to me. And for anybody out there who's got their money with other firms and other companies, it's something that you really want to be concerned about. Yes, they want to be concerned about it. And one way that we are actually testing for that to see how uh, cyber savvy, if you will, our employees are, is we've done a, a few phishing, uh, email phishing simulators. And, and you, you can attest to this because you've received a couple of them yourself where we, we want to see how uh, aware employees are. So we, we, we send what appears to be legitimate emails, but they're not. And we want to see if employees actually click on the link. And I'm happy to report that uh, we've only had two instances where the email has even been opened, but no one has clicked on the link. Nice. Um, so I think we're, compared to the industry, we're, we're doing pretty good on that front. And you've been walking the team. We've had courses, our training courses, under your guidance with cybersecurity the last, I know we've had a couple of them now. Yes, yes. I'm in charge of making sure the content is is applicable to what we're doing and that it's regular because uh, cybersecurity, it's, it's, it's a practice. You have to be in the mindset of, I'm secure today, but am I going to be secure tomorrow? And uh, training is super important because, as you know, the the risks get get more sophisticated. So we've implemented online training for our employees. And a few weeks ago, I, I did a training session where we we walked through a number of the risks that are that are relevant to us. We're always trying to make sure that employees are aware of that. One other thing that I wanted to point out that we're we're doing here at Holheimer Wealth Management is. When a client contacts us and they, they want us to send out funds, whether we get that request via phone or email, we're always picking up the phone and calling them to make sure that it's them. Because that's money is really important to not only grow and invest, but it's also important to protect. And that's part of our procedure series. We want to make sure that it's actually you that's requesting the money. So we call the client. And if something sounds fishy or suspicious, we also call them to see, hey, this sounds like it didn't come from you, but it has your name on it. So what's going on? And I think that's super important for firms to do that. Well, you mentioned phishing exercises. Other than phishing, I think a lot of us know what phishing is and the things that we're experiencing here that we need to be cautious of. People at home need to be cautious of it also. So uh, what other schemes are there and scams out there other than phishing exercises that we need to be aware of? Sure. So one of the, the growing things right now is, and it and ties into phishing very well, it's called social engineering. So phishing is a form of social engineering. And social engineering is, is kind of an all-encompassing scheme, if you will, and it, takes, it has many different levels to it. So it's, it's basically when someone tries to manipulate you to do something by building a sense of trust, and they try to get you to give them personal information. So I'll give you uh, an example that unfortunately happened to, to my father a few years ago. He received a phone call from someone pretending to be from the IRS, 
and the the phone call it, it scared him. He he was he was told that he owed over ten thousand dollars in back taxes and that he needed to pay them promptly. If not, if not, there was going to be some consequences. So of course he was alarmed, and the the guy on the on the other side of the phone call said, "Well, you need to go to this website." So somehow one thing led to another. Next thing you know, I go to my I see my dad on his computer at home. The guy on the other side of the call was able to somehow move his cursor around, and it seemed like he was controlling the computer instead of my dad. Wow! So that's a form of social engineering that doesn't happen over email. It's more of a phone call that I think people need to be aware of. That it it, it can definitely happen to to anyone. And if if you're not suspicious of you know these robocalls, these scams, you know you can you can be out for a lot of money. Unfortunately, yeah, that is crazy. We've been living through all of this madness called COVID. It was my understanding that since COVID started and up till now, the social engineers are using this and they are raking in the suckers and their targets on this stuff. Just you using the amount of websites that have gone up, COVID-related, targeting on people's fears and concerns on this stuff. And they have used this pandemic as just picking grounds, scam them out of their money somehow, some way. Yes, it, it, was, it was a prime opportunity too, because at first, I remember in March and April of last year, there was uh, fake websites set up so that people could order mask, uh, N95 masks that were supposedly going to protect them. And it's kind of evolved from that, from the mask wearing aspect of it to websites that purported to to have the right vaccine and for people to schedule vaccine appointments through there. And of course, anything medical, you have to give a lot of personal information. So a lot of folks fell victim to that, which was very unfortunate. In fact, last year, the the FBI, they, they reported over $4.2 billion that was, that was lost to uh, cyber crimes in, in 2020. So the, it, it definitely was up uh, over 69% as far as consumer complaints. My stat said that a year ago, there were over 116,000 brand new COVID websites used maliciously that were put up on the internet also. What do we had? Thousands of them that were clearly malicious. 40,000 were high risk. So the numbers of them were just outrageous on taking advantage of people with COVID. Yes. Yes, they, they definitely took advantage of them. And I think one way that people can protect themselves is if you do want the best, the right information, if you will, about how to protect yourself, how to protect your family and get the right vaccine, go to government websites. That's where you're going to find the information. Go to the CDC's website. Go to your your hospital's website, your doctor's website. Don't go to any websites, first of all, you're not aware of or you have no connection with. It's always best to stick with companies and governments that you're, government agencies that you're aware of. That's where you want to get your information from. That's where you want to be doing your, your business with. I heard Homeland Security themselves has their own cybersecurity website also that you can check out. Yes. Yes, they have their own their own cybersecurity page that that people can turn to to get them kind of cybersecurity for dummies, if you will. Yeah, they, love they, it. I, I think I think that's a that's a great resource for that. Yeah, there's a lot of great resources. Bottom line, what does it mean when you hear the word digital footprint? So, 
digital footprint is it comes down to how much how much of a trail if if you will that we leave online so how much information are we are we sharing online that can essentially pave a way for for people to one like we discussed earlier social engineer their way onto onto our finances or two they can breach some sort of system so the less information that we put out online uh, via social media websites for example the less personal stuff i know a lot of us like to if we go somewhere new we want to check in on our facebook page and say we've been here or we want to download the latest apps on our phone. And there are some things that we inevitably have to do. We have to leave some sort of digital footprint, but the less information that we we put out there, how do I say it? The less that we leave for hackers to take. So we wanna be conscious of that and, and limit it as much as possible. What are some of the things that we, as individuals at home can do to prevent it? Likewise, Maybe they share the same ideas and the things that we're doing here as a firm. Can we do the same things at home individually for us and our families? We can do a a number of them at home, and that's a great question. One, we can set up strong uh, Wi-Fi passwords. It's surprising how many folks don't have a password for their Wi-Fi at home, or if they do, it's very simple, like a pet's name or password one, two, three, four. So you wanna you wanna make sure that, that your Wi-Fi is secure. Those are the bad examples, right? Yeah, those are the bad examples. It's uh, like I read, uh, what was uh, Forrest Gump's password? It was one Forrest one. Right, Get right. it? But um, bump. Yeah, the number one forest one. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So anyway, we don't want that, right? No one, two, three, four. None of that stuff. No one, two, three, four. On the password, uh, let's stay on that for a little bit. Passwords are interesting. I was hearing a a TED talk about cybersecurity, and the gentleman was mentioning passwords are like underwear. You you gotta make sure that no one sees them. You gotta change them. Ideally, you know, daily. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> so that nice. might not be as practical. I love um, it. And they have to be mysterious. Nice. Um, so you want to... if And clean, right? Yes. Nothing too nasty, exactly. nothing crazy, no swear words on a... No, just kidding. Exactly. Most of us, sometimes they won't even allow you to put a swear word on a password, so... Right, right. You want to you wanna make sure that you create a, a random combination of letters, numbers, and symbols. That's... That, that doesn't have a word. That doesn't say Robbie or Eric or... that. That's very, very difficult to guess. What else you want to leave us with? What's the one big takeaway if we were going to leave it with our choice listeners here? So aside from the the technical stuff that you can do, like getting antivirus software on your on your computers and and getting identity theft protection, you know those are all great things. But even businesses will tell you that the number one risk is human error. So you can set up all these things, but at the end of the day. You know, are you still vulnerable to social engineering? So I want to make sure that that folks understand that at the end of the day, it comes down to the behaviors that you adopt and always being suspicious of things online is, is a good approach, right? Yeah, not just trusting blindly. Exactly. Not just trusting blindly. So we want to make sure that clients are aware of that. Why don't you go ahead and talk a little bit more about the public Wi-Fi thing? How can we stay protected? Sure. So public Wi-Fi, inevitably, some of us have to use it. Uh, of, of course, it'd be best if, if we don't use it, if we don't have to use it, because as we mentioned earlier, we want to leave less of a digital footprint, right? And by using public Wi-Fi, it contributes to a, a bigger footprint. But if you do have to use public Wi-Fi, let's say you're working remotely, you want to make sure you set up a, a VPN tunnel. To what, what is that? What is a VPN tunnel? Tell us like for the dum-dums out there. Sure. Like me. Sure. 
<laughs> so a VPN tunnel, it, it, it essentially acts as, a, as an additional barrier to your computer that you're using. So it, it makes it so that when, when you're accessing the internet online, the hackers that are out there that see computers that are online, they can't tell that it's your computer that is online. It randomizes the, the information behind your computer, essentially. And is that something that's available for home users also? Yes. Oh, good. Yes. It takes a, a few steps to set that up, but I think that's a that's a great way to, if you have to use public Wi-Fi, that it gives you a, that layer of protection. Is that something, though, if we've got Wi-Fi in our own personal homes, we've got our passwords on there, is that something that we should be doing also inside of our own homes, or is that just like a, a public Wi-Fi thing? That's a great point. I would say if, if you're at home, it might not be that necessary if you're if you're not working, if you're not one of the folks that, that's working from home, but you could always do that. So it is an option if you're doing things like just watching YouTube videos or watching Netflix, that might not be necessary. But if you're concerned that, hey, I'm communicating with my financial advisor, you know, maybe I should do this, or I'm working with my tax attorney, uh, maybe I should be doing that. I want to stay safe. So it, it, it could be a, the way to go. And so much of this stuff, it's just a little bit of a common sense thing also. Right. It really does. I'm glad you pointed that out because it is. We have a lot uh, of information that, let's say someone was walking down the street, you wouldn't just give them your social security number or your credit card, right? No way. So why would you do that to a random company that sends you an email saying that your account has been locked out? Right, right. So... You you want to if you want to think about it in that sense if if you if that person was walking down the street would you give them your information? Gotcha. So hopefully the answer is no. Correct. Exactly. Don't want you to get that ruler and start whacking knuckles again. <laughs> right. Well, is there anything else you want to leave the uh, the listeners with? You want to wrap this up and uh, leave us a golden nugget? Sure. So I would say that cybersecurity is we have to embrace it in this day and age. We have to take control. So, of course, there, there are things that are out of control that can happen online that, you know, if, even if we have antivirus software or we, or we do all these things, it might happen. But, but I think with a lot of the cybersecurity stuff that we've mentioned, they're very easy to do. And we, ha- we have to embrace the control mentality that if, if we take control about these, these few things, that it's really going to improve our chances of, of staying safe and keeping our information safe and keeping our family safe. Love it. Well, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your expertise on cybersecurity. We appreciate you as part of the team and all the stuff you've given us here. So we want to thank you once again for listening and everybody have a great day and stay safe. Thank you.